0: Are you here? Um, and uh, we're, we're getting less friendly by the day. So uh, Ephesians 2, Ephesians 2 today wants to look at a uh, thought uh, about God's plan. God's plan. Can I ask somebody to close that back door for me, please? Thank you, Nathan. Those kiddos get loud before too long. So uh, Ephesians chapter 2, we're looking at God's plan today. Um, it's been great to see so many people pitching in and helping this month. And uh, I love my church month and uh, showing some love to the church. And you know, when I first started pastoring, I was surprised really to learn uh, that many people who worked, served, uh, donated, gave to the church, whatever it may be, were doing so for, for really wrong motives. And, uh, you know, I was young and, and uh, ignorant, I suppose, to some degree. And it's, it was as though people were trying to gain favor with God or maybe trying to earn some good karma. Um, you know, if I do something good, then something good will happen to me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's sad, I think, when Christians fall into the trap of the world's mindset of this Thought process that if I will just do enough good, then enough good will happen to me in return. And uh, somewhere people are trying just to make up, you know, for past mistakes. They feel like, well, I was so bad before that if I can just do enough good now, then then all my past will kind of be balanced out. Well, you know, that's a, that's a worldly philosophy. It's not a, it's not a godly philosophy. Uh, God says, I'll forgive your sins if you ask, which means that the past, in God's eyes, is erased. Does that mean that on this earth you won't suffer consequences for some of your past actions? No. That's not what it means. You're still going to have some earthly consequence, no doubt about it. But doing enough good to outbalance and outweigh the, the bad that you've done, it's not how it works. That's not God's plan for it all. And in Ephesians 2, we have a, a couple of verses here that I've preached many times, used in, in many sermons, but I don't know that I've ever actually just taken these verses and preached specifically on these verses. And I was praying about what to preach on here as we close out. I love my church month, and I uh, was looking at a number of different love topics, and uh, and and God brought me to this. And uh, I think it's important for us to understand how God works, and these three verses I think, make it very clear. And so let's start in verse number 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We're going to look at God's plan. We are going to talk about salvation. We're also going to talk about good works is they're important? Uh, you know, I, 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 sometimes we as pastors spend so much time trying to remind you and, 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 and make sure you understand works are not involved in salvation, that sometimes we overlook how important good works are. And uh, so today, I think these three verses clarify it for us, and and that's what I want us to look at. We'll look at a couple verses other than these, but mainly we're just going to stick right here to what God has for us today. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. God, thank you for letting us come this morning. Thank you for your word, and what we can learn from it. And God, I'm so thankful for the topics that we're going to talk about today as they're so important and such a a valuable part of my life and and what I've learned about you. And God, I pray that today I'd be able to clearly communicate these verses, correctly communicate these verses to everyone this morning. And God, I pray that you would use them to encourage or to challenge, to draw us in. Uh, Lord, whatever you have for us today, I pray that we'd receive it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see these verses again. Verses 8 and 9 are very common. Uh, If you've been in church for any amount of time, you've heard these verses before. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And I use those verses a lot when we're talking about salvation. Uh, Verse 10 comes in, then following salvation, so we we don't talk about that as much in passing, uh, but it's still an important verse, and I want us to look at it today. There's there's a threefold plan here for us that God has laid out. Number one is by grace. By grace. Uh, we're talking about salvation in verse number eight, and he says that for by grace are you saved through faith. We need to re- re- remind us this morning that only God can save. There is nothing, not a thing, that you and I can do to earn our way to heaven. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Falling short, we can't make it. We're not good enough. We never will be good enough. Uh, Some people think they can can pay their way to heaven. I'm going to donate all this money for all these good causes and that will earn me favor with God. It does not. We all fall short of the glory of God or ultimately what is eternal life with God. I can't do it on my own. It's by grace that we are saved. Romans 4 verses 4 through 5 say, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned by of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. When it says to him that worketh is, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt, what that means is, is that if you work, your employer is indebted to you. The employer doesn't like to look at it that way, but it's true. When you go to work tomorrow, uh, the hours that you put in makes your employer indebted to you. He owes you something for your labor, for your work. You might think he owes you more, <laughs> and I guarantee he thinks he owes you less. But either way, he's indebted to you or she. You know, so when it comes to salvation, if I could work for my salvation then I would be saying that I'm putting God in debt to me. That God owes me something. I know I've said it before, but God don't owe me nothing. God doesn't owe me anything. There's nothing I can do, not a a single thing that I can do in this life that makes God indebted to me. That's not how it works. I owe God everything. God doesn't owe me anything. So if I could be saved by good works, if I could earn my way to heaven, that would mean that I'm putting God in debt to me. Do You know who God is? The beginning of the Bible tells us in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You know who God is? God created the world. Now, I don't know how well you paid attention in science class, but if you learned anything about how the world works, the solar systems, the nervous system in the body, Plants and how they reproduce, uh, how our muscles work, how our joints work, when they work, how how everything comes together and and, and works. God created it. It didn't just happen. It didn't just appear. There wasn't an explosion and everything just happened to work out perfectly. There is a creator and God is that creator. That's who God is. You think he's going to be indebted to you? Do you know who God is? God is uh, the all-knowing. He knows everything. What you think you're hiding, you're not. When no one else sees you, God does. Good and bad. And you think God is going to be indebted to you? Do you know who God is? God is everywhere. In all places, at all times. You think he's going to be indebted to you? It's not. God is everything. We are, and I, I hate to put it this way because it sounds so bad, we're nothing. Now, in God's eyes, we are something. God loves us, God values us. But we're never going to get God indebted to us. I can't earn my way to heaven. It's only through God and by his grace. No effort, no work, no labor, no deed that I can do can get me to heaven, only God's grace. By grace are you saved. Because of grace, you're saved. God's grace saves me and you. One of the wonderful things about that is the fact that because God's grace is what saves me, I cannot lose my salvation. If I could earn my salvation, I could also earn my way out of salvation. The Bible uses words on purpose, and one of the words the Bible uses is eternal life, everlasting life. It means what it says. Once you have it, you can't lose it, because I'm not the one that earned it. I'm telling you, if you're good enough to get to heaven, you're bad enough to lose your way out of heaven. It's just that simple. But it's not me that saves. It's God that saves by grace. And God's grace is sufficient for eternity. It doesn't run out. There's a grace period. If you have a, uh, bills to pay, which I assume we all do, um, and they have a thing called a grace period. You have so many days after the bill is due, which means that the bill's not actually due, but anyways, not important. They give you a grace period. You see, God's grace is eternal. He doesn't say that uh, I'm going to save you, but then if you don't do what I've told you to do, I'm going to take it away. That's a good thing. (laughs) Because I don't know about you. But after I was saved, I made a few mistakes. I was privileged to grow up in a Christian home, in a good church, around preaching my whole life. So at a very young age, I had heard thousands of times who God was, how much God loved me, and the gift that was available to me. At the age of four, I was very young. At the age of four, I prayed with an an understanding that because of my sin, I deserved hell. But because of God's gift, I could have heaven. I placed my faith, and we'll talk about that in a minute, in Christ, and he saved me. Through his grace. At four years old. Now how rotten of a person was I at four years old? Now I know if you have kids you think. (laughs) I believe my parents would tell you. At four years old I was a pretty good kid. I hadn't broken into the liquor closet. We didn't have one. Uh, I hadn't knocked over any banks. I hadn't killed anybody. Um, I lied here and there. Whined a little bit. Overall, I was a really good kid. Really, until I was like 17, I was a really good kid. But that being said, at the age of four, I was saved. And I made a lot of mistakes after the age of four. I made a lot of mistakes after, after the, the night that I sat in my living room with my mother and prayed and asked God to save me. So what does that mean for me? I'll tell you what it means. It means I'm still saved. It means I still have heaven. I, I've met people, and they say, Preacher, you don't understand the things that I've done. I was saved as a teenager. I was saved as a, as a kid, I, whatever. I grew up in church and, 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 and understood my need, and, and I called on Christ, and he saved me. But once I got out of my house you know, with my parents, I rebelled and got away, and I did some, some incredible things. Well, what does that mean? God saved them when they were a kid, teenager, whenever, they're still saved. Because they're not the ones that saved themselves. They didn't get saved based off of their merit, off of their good works, off of their good deeds. They got saved by God's grace. That's a wonderful thing because then when we have the understanding that, that when God saved me, he saved me. And he didn't throw me out. He kept me in. He says he's, he's holding that salvation. I'm in his hands and no one and no thing can pluck me out of his hands. I am there for eternity saved by God's grace. Then it helps us to live victoriously. Freely for God. Have you messed up? Sure. What does the Bible tell us? First John, written to Christians. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's written to Christians, not the lost people. It's saying when you're saved, and you sin, go to God and confess your sins to Him, and He will forgive you. He'll wash it away. He'll cleanse it out. Now, will your spouse still remember? You bet. Will your kids still remember? You bet. Will your neighbors still remember? You bet. But will God know? Because I, I was saved by God's grace, and He continues to be gracious to me, even after salvation, providing for me the opportunity to, to live freely to obey him, to follow him, to serve him, to do what he's asked me to do. And why wouldn't I if he was gracious enough to save me? I will say this as clearly as I can possibly say. I cannot know if you are saved. There are signs, the Bible tells us. There are things that would make me go, yeah, that makes sense. And by the way, it's not my job to judge whether or not you're saved. And it's not your job to judge whether or not someone else is saved. (laughs) But you know, you can spend your whole life trying to fool a, a preacher or church members or family members that you're God's child, but you can't fool God. God knows why, because God's the one that saves. You can know that you're saved. And God knows that you're saved. And honestly, that's that's the most important thing, right? But I'll tell you, there are people, and I've met them through my experiences in life. They prayed a prayer when they were five, six, four, eight, twelve, 12, whatever, 16. And later on in life, they'd come around, they'd say, you know, I went forward in a service, and I prayed with somebody, But I just did it because that's what I thought I was supposed to do. I just did it because my friends did it. I just did it because I felt pressured. I never actually truly asked God to save me. Yes, I said the words, but in my heart, it wasn't there. And they call on God and they say, God, save me now. What does God do? He saves them. See, the Bible says that because of our sins, we deserve hell. I'm paraphrasing. Because of our sins, we deserve hell. But if we'll call on God, he'll save us. And in Ephesians, uh, in Romans, excuse me, um, the Bible clearly explains the importance of understanding I'm a sinner and I deserve hell. But God's grace is offered to me to receive the gift of God that we see in John and we see it in Romans. We see it here in Ephesians, the gift of God. And I can have heaven. I can have God for eternity. But there's nothing that I can do to earn it. It's by God's grace. That brings us to point number two, it's through faith. By grace, through faith. Uh, It's right here for us, Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. The old preacher H.A. Ironside, said this, and I I thought it was worded well. He says, faith is simply the hand that lays hold of the gift that God presents. The Bible says, by grace are ye saved through faith. We see this, uh, uh, this given to us. Some worry that their faith is not strong enough to save them. Faith doesn't save us. Grace saves us. Some people believe that um, the faith is a, a wishful thinking. Faith is a confidence. Faith is a belief. Faith is a knowing. Specifically what God has told us. It's not about... How you believe, it's about who you believe. We, I think it's safe to say this. All of us have had moments of weak faith. All of us have had moments in our lives where God stretched our faith. Where maybe we didn't have the faith, but then God continued to stretch and mold and we began to see, know what God said is true, what God said is right. I'm going to have faith that God is going to take care of me. And he stretched our faith. He grew it. At four years old, how strong was my faith? Maybe the strongest it's ever been, to be honest with you. God talks about childlike faith and the importance of, of, of just believing But faith is is as as Ironside said, the hand that, that accepts the gift that God offers. So God says, By grace are ye saved through faith. As John three sixteen tells us, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Uh, excuse me, that's Romans. Um, but we see this, this understanding of, okay, grace is what saves me. Uh, grace is the gift of God. Uh, I believe faith is a gift of God as well, but grace is the gift of God. And as I tell children in the, as simplest terms as I can, if the gift is sitting in front of you and you don't pick it up, you don't open it, what good does that gift do you? If I don't know how you celebrate Christmas in my house, we put Christmas presents under a Christmas tree and we get up on Christmas Day and we open presents. I am a huge proponent of presents because I like to get presents. Uh, I also enjoy giving presents most of the time as well. Um, Anyways, presents are good. The Bible says in multiple places that salvation is a gift of God. The grace uh, that God gives us for salvation is a gift, meaning I can't pay for it, meaning I can't earn it, uh, meaning God's the only one that can give it to me. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that fits right along with everything else the Bible says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The gift of God is the grace of salvation, salvation by grace. The faith is me understanding I need God. I can't save me. I can't do it on my own. I can't be good enough. I can't give enough. I can't can't do enough right. I need to accept the gift. I believe, as the word the Bible uses, I believe that God is who he says he is. I believe that God did what he said he did. As John 3.16 tells us, he sent his son to die for us. And so by faith, I receive the gift. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep which I have committed unto him against that day. In these verses, Paul says, I know who God is the God that I've placed my faith in, I know who he is. And I believe, I have faith that God will do what he says that he will do. And that everything that I've committed to him, he will do with what he said he will do with. The Savior, the the one that saves, which is Christ, our faith lays hold on him. Again, it's not it's not because I pray to prayer. You know, we talk about doing good things and giving money and those sorts of things that people think they can earn their way to heaven. Some other people think that if I say the magic prayer, there is no magic prayer. There is a sinner and there is a God. And when the sinner says, I'm nothing, I can't do it. God said that he's already done it for me. God, I believe you. God save me. That's where faith grabs hold. And God's gift, God's grace comes on our life. It's a wonderful promise given to us in scripture. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. As it says there in verse number eight, salvation is not me. And the reason why we're covering this first before we get to verse number 10 is because we're talking about loving our church and serving in the church and doing things in the church. And and I'm so thankful for how everybody's pitched in. But sometimes we get into this mindset of it's about me and Christ at its simplest form shares with us that giving us an example through salvation, it's not about you. It's about God. And everything that has to do with serving God, following God, obeying God, loving God, having faith in God comes down to the fact that it's not about me, it's about God. How do I get faith? Like I said, I believe faith is a gift also. I believe faith is something that God gives to us, grows in us. It takes a commitment, sure, it takes an understanding, yes, I get that, but God gives to us everything, he tells us this, he gives us everything that we need so that we can have faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How do I get faith? I listen. Listen to what? I listen to what God's given me. What has God given me? He's given me the Bible, he's given me a church, So that I can hear, so that I can grow in faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by hearing smart people. Thank the Lord for that. Faith doesn't come by hearing educated people. Faith doesn't come by anything other than God and his word. You say, well, I've been really weak in my faith. Well, that's because I promise you, you haven't been to church like you're supposed to. I promise you, you haven't been reading your Bible like you're supposed to. I'm telling you, and I've said it a million times, and I'm planning on saying it all year. It's the simple things. There are so many times, I've pastored now for 11 years, and there are so many times that someone has come to me, and boy, pastor, I'm telling you, we're just going through it. Marriage is having problems. I'm struggling with this. We're going through real hardships. 99% of the time, it's people who haven't been faithful in church. And people who have not been faithful in reading their Bible. Does that mean hardships won't come if you go to church faithful and read your Bible? No, but you're going to handle it differently. Why? Because your faith is stronger. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It, it is, it is a, it's a simplest of things. If I'm doing what God's told me to do, reading my Bible, praying to God, going to church, hearing, hearing God's word. If I will just do those three things, my faith will be so much stronger but it's those simple things that we ignore, hoping for only the big things. Well, I mean, you said that God would take care of my needs. The Bible said that God will take care of your needs, but that comes with a following and obedience to God's word. Well, you said that, no, the Bible says that when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, obedience to God's word, you're going to have everything that you need, wisdom, material things that you need. Remember, I said that need, not want. You'll have some of the things that you want, but you're going to have everything that you need. God's going to take care of you. Well, how do you know that? He's taking care of me. Why would not he take care of you? I, mean, I know who I am. I'm not worthy of it. I'm, I'm one of those people who, who've lived the life that said, uh, God, you've told us to give this on Sunday in the offering. And if we do that, how are we going to eat this next week? And God provided because we obeyed. Had we held on to the money, I guarantee you there would have been problems. And I'm not just talking about money. It's just an easy example. Well, I don't have time for church. Make time. God will give you the time for the other things. I promise. Well, forget me, God promises. You see, it's 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 just the simple things of just simple obedience. We expect it out of our kids, yet when we look at God, we don't we don't follow through. I'm telling you, my kids all the time. I'm telling them, why are you not obeying? It's easy. Get out of bed. Pick your clothes up. Pick your room up. Feed the animals. Whatever it is. And I'm sitting there, and when I tell them, I expect them to do it. And when they don't do it, I'm not happy. And then as an adult, God says, do this, and I hesitate. God says, get out of bed. And I don't. God says, be kind, and I'm not. Simple things. And I expect God to be happy with me. He's not not when I disobey him. You want faith? It starts with the simple things. When you hear God's word, you are given the choice of placing your faith. It's possible for someone to hear God's word and reject it. happens all the time. We're told to not quench the Holy Spirit. We're told to resist the devil. Yet still here we sit, people all over the world will hear God's word and they'll resist. You ever shared the gospel with someone and they said no? If you haven't, you probably haven't been sharing the gospel with people. Um you ever share the gospel with someone and they say, not right now, maybe later, or just flat out, get out of here. It's resisting. Have you sat in a pew or sat in your living room or room or car reading your Bible and God says, do this, and you say, no. I have. I told you, and I think everybody's heard the story, but tell it again anyways. When God first put on my heart the need to leave Indiana and start a church in Kentucky, my first response was, and very kindly, no thank you. I appreciate you thinking about me, God, but I'm not interested. Thankfully, God continued to work and and I eventually humbled myself. But it's possible to reject people do it all the time. John 3, 16 says, whosoever believeth, which means there are some that don't. Actually, there's many that don't. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Those that by faith lay hold of the gift of God are saved by his grace. And those who resist or reject are not. It all comes back to verse number nine. It says, not of works, lest any man should boast. There is is no work that I can do to earn God's grace. Or else I would brag about it. <laughs> Social media today would be full of people. Look what I did. I earned my way to heaven today. Can't be done. There's nothing about salvation to make me boast about myself. There's nothing about God to make me boast about myself. Everything that I do For God brings glory to God. Anything I do for self brings glory to myself. So if I'm sitting there going, look at me, can't be about God. When it comes to salvation, as much as you say uh, I'm saved, if you've never by faith, through faith, by grace, accepted Jesus Christ's gift of salvation. There's going to come a day where you're going to stand and you're going to go, wait, am I, aren't I supposed to be up there? And God is going to say, as he says in, I believe, Matthew, I never knew you. If you're depending on yourself to get to heaven, it's not going to happen. I promise. There's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me, by grace, through faith. And that brings us to number three today, his workmanship. God's plan is by grace, it's through faith, and then thirdly, his workmanship. And we see it in verse number 10. And this is ultimately the thought I wanted us to look at today. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Do you know God has a plan for all Christians? God has a plan for everyone who accepts the gift of salvation. He has a plan for everyone, but for everyone who accepts the gift of salvation. The Bible says we are his workmanship. Did you know that the word workmanship comes from the same word in the Greek that we get our word poem from? We are God's poem, his workmanship, his art what God has crafted. At salvation, the Bible says we are made new creatures. Other terms, regenerated, uh, quickened, made alive under newness of life, or something new at salvation. And after salvation, because of salvation, that's where the good works come in. And that's where they become important. Before salvation, every good work that you do, although it's nice and kind, it's for nothing. So after salvation, what's it for? First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15 says that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And then after salvation, Titus 3 says uh, that we have believed in God, uh, in God, we might be uh, careful to maintain good works. Sorry, type uh, autocorrect. Messed me up there. Um, good works are not ignored in Scripture. Bible talks about it in James and several other places as well. But good works should be a product of salvation. As a result of salvation, we ought to do good things. And not a cause for salvation. In verse 10, again, it says, We are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are God's redemptive poem. The the picture that is shown in our lives after salvation ought to be different than the picture that our lives showed before it. Cuz that's God's purpose. And that's God's plan. When he creates within us a new a new being, It ought to look different. God's plan in verse 10 is that Christians should do good works, not for favor, not for karma, not for applause, but for God. For we are his workmanship, his poem, created in Christ Jesus by grace unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. From the beginning of time, God's plan for Christians is good works. Why? The Bible tells us that through our good works, others may see God. When people look at a Christian's life, they should see a a, a result of God: love, kindness, patience, and good actions. Who is the Christian's ultimate example? It's Jesus Christ. When did Jesus Christ sin? He did not. Ever. Did Christ ever get angry? He did. God said it was righteous or just anger. Angry about the right things in the right way. God did not make us to be like what we see, Joel Olstein. We see some people and we think, man, they're just happy all the time, always smiling. I'm not like that. Neither was God. Christ wept. Christ went through pain. Christ experienced anger. He did it all without sinning. He's our example. And we sit here and we go, okay, I know I'm supposed to do right. I know I'm supposed to do good things, but, uh, you know, that person, you didn't see him. You didn't hear what they said. They spit in your face. They pluck out your beard. Sorry, ladies. Did they, did they cuss and swear at you? Maybe. Nothing is done to you that hasn't been done to Christ. Christ responded the right way. Why? Because that's how we're created. Created in his image. And his likeness. So why don't we respond the right way? I would say in most cases it's because we haven't done the simple things. Read our Bible. Prayed regularly. Go to church. That's how our faith grows. We're created. Set apart. We talked about it before. We're set apart. For a purpose. For a reason. On the good works. That our Father which is in heaven can be glorified. That those around us in this world will see, hey, that person's different. I want to know why. Typically, the way that we talk, the way that we act, the way that we dress, people will be able to say, you're different. Most people will assume if you act the right way, that you go to church. I've been asked before, and I don't act right all the time, but I've been asked before, where do you go to church? And just random. Bible Pathway Baptist Church, where do you go to church? Why did you ask that? Well, I just assumed, just, just kind of watching you, which is weird, by the way. But it happens. People are watching. You're watching people. A lot of times our eyes are caught by people who we don't think go to church. Although I, walking through Walmart, I've spent a lot of times I wanted to ask them, hey, where do you go to church? Um, I've done it a couple times, and they took it as oddly as I took it, too, surprisingly enough. But um, you can just tell there's a difference. There should be a difference. Why? Because that's why God created you. That's God's plan. We spend so much time being angry over things that just don't matter. Or so much time resisting, rejecting what God's told us to do. And then we wonder why things aren't going better for us. We wonder why we're struggling with sin. We wonder why we're battling this thing that we want victory over, but we're not getting victory over it. You're not doing what God created you for. And if you'll start with the simple things, it'll grow you into doing things that you never imagined in your life God would have you do. And it may scare some of you. And I promise it is scary. <laughs> I remember when I called a friend from college and I said, Hey, uh, I'm taking a church in Indiana. I mean, I mean Katie, you're moving to Indiana to be a pastor. I said, You said you would never pastor. I said, I'm aware. not saying that God's going to call you to pastor. Maybe He will. God has a great plan for your life. He's not going to give you all the great blessings until you've accomplished or done what he had designed for you to do. There is no excuse for sin. You can make as many as you want. God doesn't care. God has created you, designed you, and planned you. You are his workmanship, his poem. It ought to be pretty. Is your life showing forth Christ? Is your life showing forth the plan that Christ has for you? Are you doing things, trying to gain favor, Trying to make up for past mistakes. Trying to get a pat on the back or a congratulations or a thank you. Are you doing things for God? I think as a whole, our church has done a very good job with having the right mindset about things. But I've been in enough churches to know that it doesn't take much for that to creep in. And I beg you, I plead with you, To hold me and us accountable with each other. Let's do what we do for God. Let's love our church for God. Let's love our neighbor for God. Let's love each other for God. Not so that we can gain. But so that God can be glorified. And it all starts with understanding God's plan. Salvation by grace. Through faith. And understanding that we are created for As his workmanship. Let's do the simple things. Let's glorify our creator. Let's work as a result of what he's done for us. And let's let God do what he wants to do through us. God, I pray for your help this morning. God, I pray that you'd help us. Number one, I pray that you'd help us all to know for certain that we're saved. And this morning, if there's anyone here that's not, Lord, I pray that this morning would be the day that through faith and by grace they receive your gift of salvation. And God, I pray for those that have already received salvation. Lord, I pray that today we would be the the kind of, of workmanship that you desire for us to be. And God, in the areas that you've Pricked at our hearts at today that we've struggled in, we haven't been doing right in. And God, today I pray that we'd give it over to you, that we'd ask for forgiveness, and that we'd follow you moving forward. Help us to be more faithful, grow our faith through our faithfulness. Help us to read your Bible. Lord, help us to pray. God, help us to be faithful to the church that you've called us to. God, I know that you have a plan for us as a church. But I know it starts with the plan you have for us as individuals. And I pray that today we would leave this room right with you. Doing what you desire for us to do. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, I'd like to ask three questions. Question number one this morning that I'd like to ask if you're here today and you could say, Preacher, I'm not perfect, but I know this. If I were to die today, I know for certain that I would go to heaven because there's been a time in my life Through faith, I put my trust in the grace that God has offered me, and I've received the gift of salvation. Today, I can rejoice with you, Pastor, that today I know that I'm saved. You just slip your hand up in the air, and you can slip it back down.